0: Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now.
1: Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash, like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP, but don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa Know how. Napa know how. General State's pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. All right, guys.
2: Hello. I am Nemrah from Collider and right now we are at the exclusive Collider screening of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse which I get a sense that you guys like this movie I have a lot of questions for you guys I want to kick this off by going back to the very beginning. And Phil, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to the whole idea of anyone can wear the mask because that idea just runs through all of the veins of this movie from start to finish. And I know that's where all of this started. So what sparked that idea in your head?
3: Well, I mean, uh, when, when, uh, when Sony and, and Amy and Avi came to us about uh, making a Spider-Man a cartoon. we thought, you know, the, the original idea that Stan Lee and Steve Ditko had was this is a superhero who's like all of us. He's vulnerable. Uh, he's not sure if he's uh, any good at this. He's not like a, a handsome dude from outer space. He's, uh, you know, it, it, it democratized the idea of a superhero. So um, we immediately thought that... Uh, Miles' story was the, um, the, the modern equivalent of Peter's and wanted to explore what it would be like to, to tell a movie from his point of view. And, and that was the, kind of the whole impetus for us because we thought that was such an amazing um, uh, a refresh of the whole idea, and yet it is so it, it, it reinforces the things that we like about Spider-Man to begin with.
2: It certainly plays like that. And Chris, I want to know when you jumped in here because we basically, we almost know the two of you as your own name in and of itself, Lord and Miller. And I know you guys write a lot together, but you did not share a screenwriting credit on this movie. So at what point do you jump in and start working on this?
4: Um, I, uh-oh. Oh, hey, guys. <laughs> um, I jumped in right at the beginning of that same moment when Sony came to us and said, what about a Spider-Man animated movie? Um, and we discussed for a, like a few weeks how we could make that something interesting and good. And uh, it was basically, we could tell Miles Morales' story. Guys. Nice. Even share a microphone.
2: It's glitching.
4: Hey, guys. Um, we could tell Miles Morales' story, and we also could use animation to tell a story in a way that has never been seen in a way that made it feel like you were walking inside a living comic book. And those are the two things that got us excited. At the time, we were very busy. uh, And uh, (laughs) unlike right now. (laughs) Um, So we were a little bit divide and conquer on on the stuff. But I was involved with the writing process from the very beginning also. But it was really Phil who put all the the muscle in (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's how it started.
2: So we're really fortunate right now to have all three directors sitting here to talk about the movie they made, but I want to pose this question to you guys first. Why did this specific movie need three directors? Because I feel like I've covered a number of movies where it's got two movie, two directors on an animated movie. Three three seems like a lot.
4: Did you see how ambitious this movie was?
2: <laughs> Didn't notice.
4: <laughs> it was really hard.
3: Look, the, the movie's really dense, and what what we said the other night was, anybody up here could have directed this movie; it just would have been a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody could have done this by themselves. The fact that you know we were able to all have such a successful collaboration together, um, and that these three guys decided to back each other up and support one another's individual superpowers is the reason. Why it's so great and layered and why it's firing on all cylinders, in my opinion, is that every, you, know, everybody can, you, you feel everybody's individual artistry on the screen. It's not a situation where three people shave what's interesting about one another down to the nub until they deliver this boring sphere of a film. <laughs> this is like guys pumping up one another's strengths and championing one another uh, in a way that I thought was really beautiful.
2: So, given that, do you guys work together the entire time and continue to champion each other, or do each of you specialize in one specific area of this production?
5: Um, well, it's more the, the former. You know, I mean, essentially, like, because of the way this movie is, it, it, was, it was a really ambitious movie that, that required, you know, new technology, you know, new code to be written. And, you know, you know, from the very beginning, it it, it it had, you know, kind of grand ambitions, but no one had any idea how to do it. You know, like, you know, we, we, we all kind of looked at each other, like, I don't know how to do that. Do you know how to do that? And uh, so so the production was, like, pre-production and production and post-production all at the same time the whole time. So it, Or it was, like, running, like, multiple relay races at the same time, and you're just kind of running back and forth, you know, to do, like, so, so on any given day, you know, you know, bob might be in animation or peter might be in layout or um with the board artists i might be writing i might be in edit you know the next day might be we all might be in digital review there's all these things that are happening and uh and and the edit room was sort of like our our mission control we'd all meet back there most days and look at at what we had and um you know, and the movie kind of always won. You know, like you know, the movie would sort of tell us as we went what it wanted to be, and, and, and you know, everyone had ideas that worked, and everyone had ideas that did not work, and that's you know, and um, in the end, like you know, I mean, we're all you know, I was really gratified by the experience because I, I you know I you know I was you know I don't know like I, I, I do feel like we all made the movie together, and uh, and it's uh, it, and now today it's a really cool feeling. And it did get a lot simpler and more streamlined after we got rid of the other four
3: guys. That's true. <laughs> so, true. <laughs> earlier, right? A These are surviving directors. Yeah, yeah.
6: No, I mean the other thing. I mean, the, uh, you know, this movie that you guys just mm-hmm. saw, I think in total is like 117 minutes. The very first cut, um, you know, animatic of 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 um, s- at that time it had a special name called Cabin Fever. Um, uh, it was three hours long. So there was a lot of material that had to be sort of formed and and focused on how it could help support Miles and also how it could um, help not confuse the audience um, because that was a big challenge initially, especially when you're looking... You know, when you look at it in its final form, it feels really cohesive, but when you try to represent that stuff in storyboards, it's it's really complicated. So there was just a lot of um, just getting each other's backs and fresh eyes. Everywhere we went, it was like fresh eyes. Like, we're all fighting different battles... And then you kind of tire of the one you're in and then you're like, I think I'm going to go over to this room for a while and, and we'll switch. you know. And, and I think we all learned from each other a lot. I mean, all five of us, I think. Absolutely. Um, and it felt like a really rewarding experience. Can and
2: you guys talk a little... I'm sorry, if you want to continue. Oh, no, no, no. I, I was just going
6: to say, that on top of that, it actually was a pretty brisk
7: production. I mean, it was three years more or less from a little over three years from start to start to finish, really from start to finish. So that's... For animation, man, that's lickety-split. So we, uh, it took us a year and a half just to kind of start nailing down the actual look and feel technically and you know visually of the film. And uh, from then on, there was like no time to take a breath.
2: I feel like it's important to point out, just to kind of paint a clear picture here, I was reading that in most animated movies' cases, it takes something like one week to animate four seconds. And for this movie, it's one week to animate one second. So... And We got there eventually,
6: like initially we weren't there, so (laughs) we were feeling pretty good. Oh, that
3: was top speed. That was, I mean, I think,
6: you know, at the very, very end, there were a handful of people who had been on from the very beginning and they were, they were, um, you know, depending on the complexity of the shot, but they were, they were hitting a little bit larger uh, numbers than that, but that was the average, which is kind of unbelievable.
2: Can you guys talk a little bit more about paring down that original cut of the film and actually maybe even taking it back to draft one compared to what we see here, what things had to go? Is there anything you wish could still be in there?
5: Well, I mean, um, you know, in a lot of ways, I think the bones of the screenplay from the really long draft stayed pretty similar. There was just a lot, you know, like, you know, a a lot of the job was was just, you know, getting it, you know more concise and uh and to some extent finding the signal in the noise but a lot of the a lot of the it really didn't change that much in certain fundamental ways um i would say that as we pared it down we focused a lot more on miles and his family um that that uh that suggested itself pretty early as as um as what felt like the heart of the movie um so so that was, that was very, that, that, then, then it became very easy to start lifting things out. Um, and then, I'm trying to think, I mean, we didn't cut any characters, you know, like, uh, um, what else?
6: I, I mean, mean, I think there's, there's I mean, it, another rare thing, I think, for an animated film, or I know for an animated film, is that there's, there's animation, finished animation, that's, that's um, on the cutting room floor, and there's, a, there's about 10 minutes of that from this movie, which is um, a really high number. Um, And there's one scene specifically that was just like one that we all really loved, but it just, the movie just kept pushing it out. It was like a, it was like, it was like a splinter. And then your body is just like, nope, you're not going to fit there. Get out. Um, I have a great Blu-ray. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) The alternate universe cut.
2: My next question, right there. Um, speaking of putting this whole thing together, and you know, the focus on family that comes through so so strong. But Miles almost has two families in this movie. So, can you tell me a little bit about deciding who specifically of the Spider people was going to be in his group, and how you settled on these specific characters?
4: Well, from the beginning, we uh, the idea was uh, we want to tell Miles' story, and it would be fun to have an older. Kind of washed up Peter Parker be his Mr. Miyagi, and wouldn 't that be a, a a fun dynamic so that was uh, with the the second or the i guess the third mentor for miles
3: except mr miyagi isn 't wise exactly, and he has nothing to offer. <laughs> the idea was like what moves are left for Peter Parker that haven 't been explored yet and and we really thought, oh, let's put him in an emotional position that he doesn't know anything about, where he's not an expert, where he's being—he's the instead of like the little squirt who's looking up to other people or being like a, you know, a, a jokester in the back of the class, he's the guy who's got to be the teacher all of a sudden.
4: And uh, and to make that happen, the idea of opening up the multiverse to have a new version of Peter show up to train him left a big multiverse shaped door opened and we <laughs> kind of got carried away uh but Gwen was the first easy choice because she's awesome and uh um it, with the other ones it was sort of trying to pick characters who look nothing like each other and were could be animated in completely different styles like a black and white character an anime character a kind of crazy old timey cartoon character um, and that they all had different world experiences and points of view on the world so that they could all say, like, look, it doesn't matter where you're from, if you're a boy or a girl, how old you are, what your experience is, uh, we, we all have been through this, you're not alone, and, and we became heroes and you can be one too.
2: It's a special message that really comes through and makes me very thankful that we're all going to be able to share this with our friends and family very, very soon now. To follow up on something that you were just explaining, when did you guys realize that this was actually working? Because even when you're just lining up all of the different spider people... In
3: in the wings over there. (laughs) About ten minutes ago.
2: Between all of these crazy characters and then the animation challenge, are you kind of just sitting there one day reviewing some footage and saying, like, oh, it, it really worked. We really got this here.
4: I remember that time when uh, we've been working really hard and trying to get the style of the movie to feel like what we all imagined it could be. Um, And this one shot, we we started with a bunch of really dark scenes because we couldn't figure out how to make it look good in the light. Um, But the first real shot was a wide shot of Miles running down the street after he figured out he had these sticky powers and he's calling his uncle Aaron and there's a wide shot. And when it all came together and we finally got it to feel right, we all looked at each other and were like, this is it. This looks amazing. This looks like nothing I've ever seen. And we were all got really excited and kind of jumped up and down. Yeah, it, it
6: seemed like a super easy description of like exterior afternoon, Brooklyn street.
3: And then it took, yeah, a we, we were really good long in, time to figure out how to make it. We can make it look good in the dark. <laughs> and then, so like the first thing we did is that one of those like subway chases. It was. It was uh, and, the right, prowler chase. The prowler yeah. chase, which we were all like so excited and, and, and patting each other on the back, and then we were like, "Oh no!" <laughs> we looked. We went outside, and we didn't know how to make that look good. Uh, it just looked complicated.
2: It still looks complicated. <laughs> yeah. It works, but it you. Is. I watched this movie, and I've seen it twice now, and I am still in awe of. Every single new, new texture, new style of lighting, just the color palette overall. If you were to pick one striking piece of your animation technique here and call it the most difficult one to pull off, what would it be? Boy.
0: <laughs>
6: I mean, I think. I uh, imagine the list goes on. There's and a, on. Well, you no, know, but I think I think uh, at its. Because of where we are with CGI animation um, and how it's had en- enough time to sort of grow up into an adult and have um, be set in its ways, uh, the, the the fact that all of this animation is on twos, which if you don't know what that means, it just means that there's 24 frames in a second and... Um, as opposed to having 24 images, you know, so 24 different images per second, we have 12, uh, on the characters. And that's how traditional animation, hand-drawn animation used to be. And it's sort of like the last, it's the, it holds just long enough before you realize something's not moving. And it moves, and it, and it really helps have a greater impact and, and, tells a, like a stronger visual story, much like a comic book does. You know, a lot of impact with one panel, um. But, when you make that, it seems so simple. Like, let's do half the work. But really, it meant, like, let's do four times the work. Um, Because everything else in the whole pipeline was set up for um, a new image every frame. Like, simulations and camera and all of that stuff. So, we had to really um, task our amazing crew with trying to figure out how to make it work. And it was not easy.
2: I know we don't want to uh, put the cart before the horse, so to speak. But... There was a recent announcement that we could get more of these movies. So, having gone through all of that on this particular production, looking ahead, do you kind of foresee a more, maybe a seamless, fluid way of churning out these movies with this visual style?
3: <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Never gonna happen. No.
7: I think I think the thing we're all hoping is that there's another leap forward, you know, from what was done here. That there's got to be. You know, you're talking about th- this. Turned out to be the perfect way to tell Miles' story in his, you know, his environment, his home, his world. Hopefully, with other characters, there's going to be something about their stories that lends itself to, you know, another cool, like as yet unforeseen way to use the use the medium to be super expressive and really specific. I mean, there, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, basic concepts or basic. Uh, I don't know, uh, technique's not the right word, but just, just basic notions that propelled a lot of the thinking on this that you could apply to a lot of things, but you, you've got to be flexible and responsive to the story.
5: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for Sony Pictures, Imageworks, who did an amazing job on this movie, it's. I feel like most of the people that worked on this movie are, are the kind of people that w- will now would want to just throw a bunch of that stuff away and try something I different. I think Danny actually <laughs>
7: did. I, I heard him in his office going like, <laughs> no one else will ever have this. And he pushed a button. I'm not sure what happened, no, you know, but he, he, he had a really big magnet. That's amazing.
3: <laughs> I mean, it, it is true that these movies are, bes- are handmade, and everyone up here, that's, that's what gets us excited. We want everything to be bespoke, and that means that everything we make is going to be a prototype on some kind of uh, some kind of another. Our, our amazing production designer, Justin Thompson, is like, okay, great, this is a good start. But uh, another movie is going to have to look way more far out than
4: this. And hopefully 10 years from now, we'll look back on this movie and say, like, wow, that was really conservative. I guess it was (laughs) crazy for the time.
2: (laughs) Speaking of the environment you built for Miles here, I am a New Yorker. And watching New York on that screen in this style, even though the style is so wild and unique... There's something about it that felt very true to New York and, and very, I guess I would say, loving towards New York, too. So can you guys talk a little bit about designing that? And how many things in this movie are specifically based on buildings, subway stations, mm-hmm. all of
5: that?
6: I, I mean, all of it came, you know, sprung out of um, initially just a, like a location scout as if it, we were doing a live action film film. Um, going into subway tunnels on trains um we had like the pleasure of having a, a, like there's one train that runs under um Times square where they they'll let you stop the train and and it was um and get at, and you know and, and so we did a ton of reference there we did went on top of buildings spent a lot of time in brooklyn and the goal was to really just um you know represent new york in a way like it's such a special place um in this movie, but also in America, and what it represented for America, and what it represented for where Marvel came from, and, and a lot of you know graffiti and hip hop culture, and all those things were sort of born out of the boroughs of New York, and um, and so this was an attempt to make a love letter to New York, and, and imbue each neighborhood and every single shot with um, the a feeling of New York, a, you know, something that, that um, you could feel it bouncing onto our characters and um, realize that it it, it was tangible.
5: We didn't have to shoot Toronto for New York in this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, one of, one of the coolest things cool, about um, about animation is that it doesn't have to look real, it just has to feel real. So, so especially with New York, I mean, yeah, like, you know, the, the, the goal is, is is to capture what it feels like to walk down the street in New York, not what it looks like, which is, which is a cool challenge, you know? Um, yeah.
2: Success. Yeah. Brought Thank me you. right back home. Um, I also wanted to ask you guys about Easter eggs because... This movie's packed with them. I told you before, this is my second time seeing it, and there's no way I caught even the slightest fraction of everything that you kind of hid throughout this entire movie. So I know we don't want to give too many spoilers away for people who are watching this this Q&A that haven't seen the movie, but if you had one Easter egg to pinpoint that you're really excited for people to see, which one would you choose?
5: We obviously didn't get these questions in
2: advance.
0: <laughs>
5: <laughs> I mean, I got, I mean you know, one thing I'll say is we, uh, this movie takes place in a, an alternate universe that's like our universe, but not our universe. Um, and that's the premise that we operated under. So you know, one thing we did is we contacted people we knew who were authors or filmmakers or musicians, and we asked them, what would you make in an alternate universe? And we got, they all gave us Projects that they think they that they thought they would make in an alternate universe, and that's those projects are scattered throughout the city. You know, if you freeze on a cab as it goes by, it's going to have an advertisement for a book that you know an author suggested, or or movies, or you know, albums, or whatever. And you let how collider did, participate,
2: um, and we made the collider machine.
4: That's right. Yes. That's, we name the dropped you a lot. Like yeah. like, yeah.
5: Rodney,
3: t- um, how did hold your horses come to be? <laughs>
5: Hold Your Horses, um, I contacted Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, and, and I said, what movie would you make um, in an alternate universe, and they pitched something that was really funny that was not that, um, and that was it, I was off to the races, and then like a few days later, Evan emailed and he said, hold your horses, you can't use that one, we might actually make that movie. <laughs> so then I was just like, okay, I'm going to make a movie called Hold Your Horses, and Seth, you're going to be a jockey. You know, and uh, and uh, Seth hasn't seen how enormous it is in the movie yet, or how many shots it's right in back of. Uh, but you uh, will soon.
7: There's a pretty cool. Anytime anybody from the Morales family makes a phone call and tries to look up somebody in their contacts, they got some pretty cool friends. So that's kind of fun.
6: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, there are so many Easter eggs. I don't. I don't want to. Um, Spoil any uh, uh, that you know that, that would um, sort of take any special thing away from someone finding them, but I I have my own personal Easter eggs in there, and um, because this movie uh, took us all away from our families um, quite often. Uh, I had um, my kids um, tag their names inside this, the tunnels and my wife. So there are three or four shots where I can go, I was thinking about you, see? I know <laughs> I know I wasn't here when you went to bed, and then when you woke up, I was gone too, but um, I was still thinking about you.
2: Anything you guys want to throw in or keep it all secret?
4: Let's keep it a secret.
2: Oh, look at that.
4: <laughs> All right, no, fine. There's um, Clone College. There's Clone College, the uh, long-awaited sequel to Clone High as a film. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. I'll there's Bob Perzichetti is being uh, carried by uh, Spider-Man yeah. on the cover of a uh, comic that's book right.
6: based on <laughs> yes. the original. I needed a lot of help. Um.
2: <laughs> one of my favorite Easter eggs in this movie is the cameo we get of Stan Lee. And I will just say that is hands down my favorite Stan Lee cameo I have ever seen in any movie. It's, it's a moment that just really, really encapsulates what his work has meant to so many people. So I wanted to know about your experience working with him on that moment and how you guys came up with that specific scene. Who wants to talk?
6: I mean, I think um, that scene, that, you know, you're looking for um, a special moment for that cameo. Um, and, and we were you know I think as you said the other day Phil was like we, you know sure he could drive a bus he could do all these other things but how could we make it really meaningful and how could we make it represent something that um, just like struck the core of what he meant to so many people um, and so it was like he should give Miles his first costume the st- what we called the store bought costume and um, uh, and then I don't like I think you had written it and then um, and then you took another crack at it and um, is that backwards or is that right? I literally don't remember. I literally it, don't remember. I don't, I, I, this is how collaborative it was. Like truly, yeah, I mean, we there's. Um, but you but It, it really. Um, I feel
3: like I'm completely responsible for it. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Okay, because I actually kind of um. feel the same way. Yeah, I think that's how the whole thing—like, that's how you know it's success—is that yeah. everybody's psyched about it. And yeah, they yeah, think they did everything exactly. Um, but but
6: it was really um, it was it was already this super poignant thing because um, he we recorded him um, a couple weeks after his wife had passed away. So there, so the so the lines already had this. They were just like multi-layered and like pregnant with like so much meaning, um, and then. Uh, uh, you know, a funny part of it was that, of course, you know, we had this huge animation crew, and everybody wanted those shots. Everybody wanted to animate Stan, um, and our head of animation was holding him for himself. Um, and Josh Beveridge, uh, he's uh, he's a god, serious trooper, um, but he ended up having to give them out to animators, and it was so hard for him. But um, you know, in the performance that 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 they rung out of his performance, it, it just like hit this next level. Um, and then obviously now, um, you know, the, I think the first time we saw it, it used to just always start with just like a giant scream. People would just be like, yes, here's that moment. Um, and now it's like you hear like all these sort of emotional, you know, almost like guttural reactions to seeing him. And then, and then you hear what he's saying and it's, it's so meaningful and it, and it has even more layers. And I've never seen, I think, Um, I can't remember which screening it was where we saw it the first time after he had passed away, but um, I'd never seen so many emotions from, like, a community. You know, there was this community of people sitting in there, and they were all just, like, bouncing back and forth. Because in the end, it's also funny, and it is representative of sort of the cantankerous nature of him, you know, because there are no refunds ever. (laughs)
2: It was a really, really nice, meaningful touch. So thank you guys for putting the, the time and care into handling that in such a meaningful way to so many fans out there that he affected all of this. And we haven't even spoken about getting into the, uh, the sound booth, the recording process for this. And I know you've got a couple people in your cast here who have never done any animated voice work before. So day one, what do you tell them to kind of get their feet wet?
7: Um, you kind of have to just get them to relax, and uh, you know it's it's really informal. You know, there's no cameras, there's no, there's not a lot of crew standing around. It's just you know us hanging out in a t-shirt and whatever else, and and uh, just, a just a t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> it's really well, informal. well. Hey, I'm, I'm, I like to relax them, man. It doesn't work, but for some reason, but I don't know. Um, and and you're you, you just you just kind of want to put them at ease and give them the feel that it's more like a like you're workshopping a play or you're, you know, and there's, there's, you know, they can keep doing the lines as much as they feel like they need to. There's, you know, we've got the script pages right there and it, once they start relaxing into the rhythm of it and, uh, you know, we always encourage encourage them to put as much of themselves as they would like to into the lines. Even if that means changing the written word, you know, altering that a little bit, something that's more in line with the, what they would actually say or what they'd feel in the moment as long as it communicated the idea and they they really start to get into it because they can you can take away all the externals and and all the a lot of the other concerns that you have when you're acting in live action and it just becomes this intimate thing with the actor and their voice and their imagination and um i think i think to a person they they loved it
2: to flip that around now, I wanted to ask about working with a voice acting veteran like Lily Tomlin, and then also, how is it working with Nick Cage? Because him in particular, seeing him on screen, I can feel like the fun he's having in that role is just like radiating off of it.
5: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, talk, I mean, I can talk, I mean, I can talk yeah. about Nick Cage. Um, it's hard to work with him and not, and not and, and not have your brain constantly screaming, it's Nick Cage, over and over again, super loud, you know, like, that's, that's just like a given, um, he was great, I mean, you know, I don't know what I expected, maybe I was a little scared, uh, uh, but uh, he was, it turns out that he's a wildly experienced performer, who uh, who's very professional, uh, uh, and he shows up and he just kind of does an awesome job and you can direct him and he'll do it differently and um uh yeah i mean you know so uh so yeah we loved working with him he was uh, and obviously uh, he had fun with it and 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 you do tend to over prepare for nick cage because it's just kind of like what would it be funny just to make nick cage say you know <laughs> and you end up writing like an extra 20 lines just to like hear him say it, even though you know it's not going to be for the movie. Can
2: you give uh. us one <laughs> alt-take? One one specific thing you wrote for Nick Cage that we don't say?
5: I mean, like, in the movie, he... He what does he say in the movie about the turtle? Wait, you, uh, know, you biscuit boxer, biscuit, bis- biscuit boxing. Yeah, you biscuit we, box- ended up. we literally had him record like fifty different weird slangs. Yeah. You know, like you turtle slapper. You like you know everything. I mean, it's like what else? We- yeah. A lot of them would have gotten us an NC seventeen. Well, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, yeah, the, yeah I mean, we literally had him record something, and then it was in the movie, and then animated, he, an- animated, like hilarious. Yeah, and then someone bothered to Google it, and it turned out to be like a filthy pornographic <laughs> act and and we had to spend it, a lot of money it, yeah, it
6: wasn't from the
3: 30s at all
5: yeah what was it Wait, what was it though? it was, was
3: like it? three or four in a row that turned out to be yeah, gross things. i don't re- i don't think yeah. should we reveal yeah, yeah, i don't we feel like re- we should reveal i no, don't either oh, okay.
4: <laughs> it being recorded no, enough, for posterity <laughs> yeah cuz spoilers yeah. exactly but i remember <laughs> going on various different websites looking for 30s slang and trying to like text you uh, every variant there possible yeah. Um, It was super fun. He's great.
2: I have no appropriate transition for this, but I'm getting the wrap-up sign, and I wanted to end with this question because I feel like you guys made a movie that's going to be very important to a lot of people out there, people who are already Spider-Man fans and people who don't know that they are yet. So can you tell me a little bit about what is it about this interpretation of Spider-Man in this specific cinematic world that you are most excited to share with the world? pressure's
7: on you know i think i think for me and and part of the whole reason this movie is about miles morales is that it uh you know that idea of anybody can wear the mask and and how how telling a story with a different somebody who's as different from peter parker as miles morales is both in terms of ethnicity and uh, you know the fact that he's got a family where he lives also just in time you know peter parker was conceived back in 61 this is 2018 all those things uh, and yet when you wrap the the iconic myth of Spider-Man around this new character it's it's kind of the same you know all the things that make Spider-Man great and all the things that have made that character endure all these years they're exactly the same and the same things are are like really strong and powerful about him even though it's a totally different character so it just to me it just like goes like man Stanley and Steve Ditko they really they really came up with something enduring, you know. It is a Rodney. Rodney one day said, "Yeah, it really is a myth, and it is. It's a pretty powerful thing."
2: Who can top that?
6: No <laughs> one. Yeah, no one. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I was going to say radioactive puberty. So I don't think that tops <laughs> it. No, that might top. It it. Just did.
2: I think that's the perfect note to end on. Guys, thank you so much for being here tonight. Please give them a round of applause.
4: Thanks, guys.
7: Thank Thank you
2: you guys for being here tonight. Don't forget, tell everybody you know, Into the Spider-Verse hits theaters on December 14th. This is your exclusive Collider screening Q&A.
4: Thank you. Thank you.